Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and streaming from your phone. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to John Cameron Mitchell. He is, of course, the writer-actor-director behind the enduringly popular rock musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch, in which he starred both on stage and in the 2001 film that he also directed. He's gone on to direct movies including Rabbit Hole, Short Bus, and last year's How to Talk to Girls at Parties, while as an actor, he's had roles in TV shows like Shrill, Girls, and The Good Fight. Hedvig fans will be happy to hear that his latest project is a new musical, but it's not for the stage or screen. It's called Anthem Homunculus, and it's an original 10-part audio musical from the new digital streaming platform Luminary. John's in the studio with me to tell us about the show's backstory, his starry cast, his inspiration for the project, and the threads it shares with Hedvig. Hey, John. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Uh, so the first season of Anthem, which is called Homunculus, has just started streaming on Luminary. And I'm guessing the first people, the first question people tend to ask you is, why a podcast? It sounds like it didn't uh, start out that way in your head. Tell us how that came about. Well, it's this whole Homunculus, you know, really started as a sequel to Hedvig. Right. But it was really more that I wanted to investigate some stuff about my life. And Hedvig seemed like a, you know, a... a convenient mouthpiece but her whole story is was so much baggage and mine is baggage so it was like putting a you know hat on a hat or a wig on a wig and, right. which I've done before but this is was, a, let me interrupt you this is important for fans I feel yeah. like is this the sequel to Hedvig is this is this what is this what we get or is there another more direct oh, one there, coming there's not g- I mean we realized that Hedvig it was just too hard to continue it you know it was You know, it, it wasn't. I was. I wanted to really write an autobiography with this piece, and Hedvig seemed like a convenient voice because people would listen. But it was ramming too many things together. So I, there's not going to be a Hedvig sequel. Okay. okay. Um, you heard her here first. Yeah. Or not but, necessarily first. Yeah. But, but this that's is in, <laughs> this is in its. You know, in the style of Hedvig, I would definitely say. Certainly. And my character is me if I'd never left my small town and he actually lives in the trailer that Hedvig lived in right. 
is implied. Yeah. There are. It's sort of in the in the extended universe of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, right? Yeah. It's sort of the the Mitchell verse. Yeah. My name is Kian, which means head in Gaelic, and I have a brain tumor. But I'm having a good day. I've got a lot of energy, and I want all five, four of you still listening to know I will remain online and on this porch till you cough up the hundred grand I need to cut this fucker out. (laughs) Or till I die. Whichever comes first. Now, I wrote this song for my tumor. It's actually a conversation between my tumor and me. Because I figured if my tumor could sing, it might sing something like this. I'm the mold on your bread, the prayer bros on your head, the pause and the joke that makes you cry till you choke. As a lover, I'm unsurpassed, but I come first and you go last. No rival comes above me, I will fuck you till you love me. The end is nigh, so am I. On your memories, learn from your mistakes, curate the nightmares that keep you awake. I will text from upstairs just to say you're pretty. May you live to see my love turn to pity. I hate when you cry, so dry your eyes. I'm so free to be there when you die. You know, if I was bringing Hedvig up now, you know, economics off-Broadway have changed and elsewhere, so it might actually be prohibitive to do it the way we did before off-Broadway. In fact, we were rejected by all the theaters in New York, and we had to build a theater. You know, Peter Askin, our director, owns the West Side Arts, and and they had experience in making a, a theater at the now Jane Hotel, but... <laughs> yes, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, which is... No longer there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It lasted for a few years, but the... If I was making Hedwig now, I might actually consider doing it as a, as a podcast series. It's, you know, podcast works well for what I do because I... There's lots of words. There's lots of music. These are all audio things. You know, there's definitely visuals that you know, this could in- encompass, but they're not vital. Right. Um, and we, I originally had it as a Hedvig sequel that we removed Hedvig like a benign tumor <laughs> and returned it to really what it is, which is me and my family and my, my love life and death and loss and all the and religion and all the things that I've had to deal with in my life. Right. And... So then I thought, okay, I don't really want to do this as a theater piece because I don't want to relive my life eight shows a week. So I thought of it as a TV series and wrote it, you know, the whole thing. All the way through. Was it ten episodes, ten half-hour episodes in the same kind of way? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it was already long, and then I just adapted it into a series. But And then we pitched it to all the resting pitch faces (laughs) in L.A. And... uh, 
you know, it, it just didn't fly. But if I pitched Hedvig now, it wouldn't fly either because right. it doesn't fit into the genres. Even though it's the golden age of television, you st- it's still a comedy. That's still a murder thing. That's still a cop. Sh- you know, there's still forms that slots that it has to fit into, and this doesn't. Right. It's sort um, of all those uh, slots you just described. Maybe yeah, not and starring me, you know, it's like I'm not, you know, famous in that way. That guarantees, you know, re, you know, viewers. So, yeah, I wasn't surprised when it was turned down. Um, disappointed, but there was a company called Topic Studios. Uh, when that was that was you were that would have that been out. maybe two and a half years ago. Okay, uh, but Topic Studios, which makes podcasts, films, TV series, they they made the podcast missing richard simmons and and the intercept and they've made films like leave no trace and spotlight and tv shows like losers um really got it right away from the pitch and i have a friend julian coster who has a a narrative podcast called orbiting human circus which is on wmyc and i'm a voice on that and he inspired me to think of this form um it had become by now a five and a half hour thing, and it was like, you don't just do that on stage, and you don't just do that as a film. Or so it seemed like, hmm, this could be done audio. And I've been enjoying doing selected shorts and doing these podcasts, right. and it just felt natural. So it was an easy rewrite. Was and it? That was one of my questions: is how how much. Was there anything that you were not able to do in the podcast arena? Yeah, I mean, there's you... there's hallucinations that the character has right. where he, you know, the, the character is a down and out liberal shut in, dangerous shut in. You know, in his trailer park, he's AIDS and everything else scared him back to his small hometown, and he's a librarian and you know a failed teacher and a failed artist and doesn't he keeps making songs and stories but he doesn't share them because. There's no disappointment in that. He's going to have it all released after he dies, and the res- you know the money will go to s- a child born at the moment of his death, which was actually something that my uncle had to administer a will like that. Someone wow. left all his money to a child born at the moment of his death because he didn't have a family, which I thought was a spectacular okay. story. Um, so he's he's got a brain tumor, and he's doing... The only thing he can think of, because he's out of insurance, is to crowdfund. Now, he doesn't know anyone for Kickstarter, so he decides to go on a fictional app called Intelethon, which is a live stream telethon app, and he's going to stay online till he gets the money for his tumor or till he dies, whichever comes first. And it's, we're almost there. You know, in this country. I mean, I was going to say actually, it's it's actually totally plausible so far. It's totally right? plausible. But, yeah. um, no one's made the, the app yet. I'm sh- probably should patent it. But <laughs> I invented Grinder in the film Short Bus. We had a thing called Yenta that was a GPS dating thing that, and I was like, oh. this is going to be real. And my, I said, can we do something with this? And my lawyer's like, you have to build it. And there was no iPhones and there was no, you know what I mean? It was, yeah, yeah. you can't copyright an idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Can't copyright a title or an idea. You can patent, right. you know, 
a mechanism. The thing you build to yeah. Yenta. Yeah. Uh, you can copyright a script, but um, so that was uh, that. You know, those millions of dollars fell out of my hands. Well, but I never I, did anything for money. I did it for love. Yeah. <laughs> and in this case, uh, it's the same. You know, this is an unusual form for a dense story there's certainly been narrative podcasts i wondered about that because it is podcasts are a form that uh, uh one of the things that i think makes them so popular is that people listen to them while they are doing other things right you know they're doing the dishes or they're walking down the streets yeah. of new york or driving or whatever they're doing yeah um did ours that- is the kind of thing that you don't want to be emailing or really no doing something Intellectual. It's yeah. good for, like you said, driving or traveling. Or but did you hesitate at all, just knowing how people consume? I was a little worried about it. You know, ADD is a real thing that yeah. that has affected all kinds of art forms and even affected our political life. You know, I, I believe we wouldn't have the, you know, the regime we have if if there was no digital technology. I think people would <laughs> think more clearly. But you know, whatever alien intelligence gave us the internet. Uh, the, the weapon has worked to, to, to stop the natural flow of one thought to another. Um, in our case, I'm an, an old-fashioned, you know, dramatic and novelistic kind of guy, and this isn't two people in a room. This is 40 actors. This is 40 pieces of music, you know, written with Brian Weller, my, my partner in, in this. And, you know, we wrote it on... A road trip across the Midwest, you know, where it takes place, and a lot of it was written at William Burroughs' house. Actually, we were oh, right. invited which to is, write, which it. is the location in the podcast. Yes. Yeah, and, and Burroughs is a character played by Ben Foster, and yeah. So I gathered all my friends who were right for the roles and met some new people. Uh, Nakane, a brilliant South African singer, plays my boyfriend Jairo. Cynthia Erivo, you know, mm-hmm. genius performer uh, plays my baby mama in a way you'll you'll meet her in later episodes and she was the only truly fictional character the rest are based on people mm. from my life and Glenn Close plays my mom Dennis O'Hare plays my mom uh, my dad yeah. um, Patty Lapone plays my aunt Marion Cotillard plays my doctor right. Chris Hankey plays my brother and it's it's packed with uh you know, great actors who are up for new stuff. Right. And the other advantage to podcasts, it's cheaper, but it's also uh, you can record a whole season with an actor in a couple of days. Right. And you can fix, you know, Patty, I asked her to fix some lines on her, record them on her iPhone in London and, and text them to me, and we put oh. them right in. And that worked. That, that quality worked. works. Yeah. You, can, you can. For certain sure. scenes. Right, right. Um, you know, she's yelling in the distance. Whatever you know, there's, yeah, right, there's ways right. to do that, and yeah. a lot of this, the flashbacks are uh, on kind of audio, t- you know, cassette tape, so yeah, that right. the, the quality works. Um, my dad uh, went to Vietnam, and, and we would send letters back and forth on reel-to-reel tapes, oh. and uh, so that finds its way so in there too. It does, yeah. Um, so it's. It was either write an autobiography or make this. What was the impulse, the autobiographical impulse, do you think? Well, I think everybody thinks about it. You know, I'm 56 as of Sunday, and, you know. Happy birthday. Thank you. And you start, you know, you're past the middle of your life, so you're like, hmm, you have some perspective. Um, 
Jack Steeb, who was my boyfriend, uh, and he was in the band that I developed Hedvig with, right. Stephen Trask, um, passed away in 2004 from uh, addictions, uh, substance abuse, and he, that e- event, you know, affected my life heavily, and I think I've had to deal with loss throughout my life, so this is dealing with that event most of all and you know just kind of looking back and seeing I think a lot of autobiographies are just a collection of anecdotes which are pretty boring and maybe biographies are a bit more in depth where someone has an an objectivity in my case I'm doing an alternative autobiography of what I might have been and where I did come from but what I could become for better or worse and uh so it's an interesting experiment to uh, imagine yourself in a different way. You know, the cartoon one is the Confederacy won the Civil War, you know. Right. In my case, it's what if I never left my small town, what would I be like? And I would still be the same person, but curtailed, you know, and, and perhaps embittered and, and maybe uh, alone in a, in a way that it's, feels trapped. And... Uh, and I think a lot of us lately in this digital age feel a little bit like isolated by this, you know, kind of purported connectivity. You know, we're, a lot of us feel a little bit like, you know, dangerous shut-ins. Um, and like that, your character, Kian, who I, yeah. I believe describes himself even that way, doesn't he? Or something similar? Yeah. I mean, he's he has an objectivity about his absurd position and his his fears having and failures having brought him to where he is. But he's also celebrating celebrating his life as well as perhaps culminating it. And his life is flashing before his eyes as it does in a health crisis. And in our case, it's flashing before the audience's ears. And uh, so I find it a perfect form and, and uh, to work the way I like to work because I'm a word person and a music person. And we want every season to be a different musical written by different people, starring different people, directed like, by different people. It's like an anthology series. Yeah. It's a true anthology. We don't know what the next one is. Right. We thought we'd put this out so people kind of know what we did which would hopefully you know stir interest in yeah. other people. Do you anticipate drawing on talent, theater talent, uh, rock, you know, pop contemporary I think music anyone. talent? I anyone? mean, it'd yeah. be great if Kendrick Lamar, you know, yeah, wrote his instance. musical yeah. finally, right. or or uh, any number of theatrical music persons combined with a good writer. Um, I know Eve Ensler is someone who's heard the whole series and loves it, and I'd love her to do one. Right. You know. Um, so there are people who are looking to this form now and realizing it's one that you can do cheaply, but also you have control over it and, yeah. and you can be very creative. Um, I'm sure as as I get older, it's prob- I'll probably you know end up writing novels and doing podcasts until you know it's time to jump off the cliff. Right, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and. How, first of all, was, how often did you have even 
more than one cast member in the same room as you were recording. Was it oh, just solo recordings an, the whole time? Or? Because I'm a, you know, a, a film director, I, yeah. you know, I, I brought a lot of that to this, okay. and I made very sure, you know, Pixar doesn't care that if the actor's in the same room, they're doing a scene with right. the other. In my case, things happen when you're with that person. Improvisation, right. you know, overlaps, all the natural things that happen. So for 90% of the scenes, people were in the room with the other actors uh i i learned that i should put some separation between them sound wise you know they're so they're looking through a glass sometimes right uh which helps editing yeah um and i at other times you know put an audience watching us do some scenes because there is an audience when he's at on his porch right doing uh his podcast there's a live audience that grows you know, from ten to three thousand, right? And then his online audience, um, which is separate. So we did have some people, and audience reaction obviously affects performance. So we recorded them too, and put right. headphones on all of them. Yeah. So we did a lot of stuff from instinct, um, from my own experience, and uh, and also you know made some mistakes. Uh, but they were things that we had to do. For example, I brought a lot of film people in, my editors and sound people who didn't know about podcasts. So there's, you know, one advantage to that is let's do stuff we do in film on podcasts, you know, the density of the sound. Right. But the disadvantage is like usually you have more money and people, so you edit on the Avid program and then you migrate it to Pro Tools. Okay which can double the amount of time and money needed oh, to create to do it. Even an audio drama. Yeah, yeah, podcasts only tend to work on one program, usually Pro Tools. And, but a lot of Pro Tools mixers don't know about story and don't know about film and television editing or performance. Um, you know, Avid organizes all the takes of the performers better than Pro Tools. So we're, we're right. figuring out for the future uh, a way to do it in a more uh, streamlined way. Right. It sounds like the editing process gives you a whole lot of freedom to do things like, you know, call Patty, who's doing company in London, and have her just do a line. record a line or even record a word or something. Like, yeah. how, how nitty gritty did you get as you were putting it all together? And, uh, you know, splicing it all together, I suppose. I mean, I was, I'm a real perfectionist. Um, so I, last year I was, I'm also on, been on tour doing this show called The Origin of Love, which is a sort of Hedvig-themed concert. Um, yeah. We should so point out that there's a song in a homunculus called The End of Love that feels yeah, very much like and a that companion piece. title, you know, did come from the Hedvig yeah. stage of this. Yeah. Uh, though that's more of a breakup song with God, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so I took my mic and recorded myself to fix some dialogue, you know, all last year and would listen to cuts and then give very detailed notes, you know, to my mixers back in New York. And oftentimes we'd have three or four people working, you know, on different episodes. Did you find you had to work with actors or think about your own performance differently when you didn't have the, the visuals to go along with it? Did well, I had a, a great associate director, mm -hmm. Zan Vilento, who was able to be, you know, eyes and ears 
when we were doing scenes and come up with ideas uh, if I was losing objectivity. But I, because I've directed myself, you know, on film, I, I had more ob- objectivity than most. Yeah, no, I guess I just wonder if the if once taking out the visual element was yeah. ended up being a challenge for you in terms of how you talk to people and what they do, or was it is it the same? Not really. Yeah, it's the same in terms of acting. You know, yeah. in terms of storytelling, you do have to have someone, you know, describe things you can't see sometimes. Sure. So when my character goes to the afterlife, he has a Virgil-like guide who is his brother right. Right. to explain what's going on and take him around the afterlife, right. you know, in his Dante kind of way. Who is Christopher Hanke? Christopher Hanke, yeah. yeah, who's great. Yeah. And uh, some of the actors, some of the actors we did uh, remotely because they were in Europe, Marion Cotillard and uh, two of the Scottish actors. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 90% was in the room with them, and they were, they've been great. You know, and they all, they love being part of something new, and uh, they're theater people, so they're up for it. You know, um, and it's not about stardom or billing or money or you, you know you that that hollywoodization you know has can sometimes infect the theater world you know but you know the way i work is very let's put on a show you know and with short bus it was often with non-professional actors right. and this they're very professional and sometimes it's you know, rabbit hole, pre-existing play with a movie star. You know, so it's it's. I'm up for working in any form. You talked a little bit about uh, kind of the cast and how they came together. These were just people you knew, people you'd worked with in the past. Any of them? People or, I knew, people I was acquainted with. Cynthia know, was, friends like Cynthia. As you yeah, Cynthia yeah. actually was the one I didn't know. Oh, okay. And Nakane, who uh, was a South African actor, right. that was very hard to cast. Um. I read about him in his film *The Wound* mm-hmm. and yep. heard his music and his incredible voice, and couldn't quite find out how to get a hold of him. And then just DM'd him on Instagram, and he was, oh. <laughs> you know, right. he said he had just watched *Short Bus*, so he was oh. he was in. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great guy. He's an amaz- amazing talent. He's a real breakout star of this, and uh, and then everybody else's friends or yeah. new friends. You know, Justin Vivian Bond and Bridget Everett and, sure. you know, all kinds of people that I've worked with and uh, and so a new generation of, of stand-up comedians who I've gotten to know uh, through Julio Torres, a wonderful uh, comedian and writer. Um, there's a really good Brooklyn scene of, you know, queer and interesting comedians coming from a lot of angles now very surreal uh like Lorelai Ramirez and Patty Harrison and Peter Smith and Lena Einbender these are all a new wave of of comedy that's going to wash over us soon did you speaking of comedians did you do much improv as you were recording did you allow for improv yeah was it useful but I always do you know in my films uh the scripts are set and then there's times where I'll say completely let go of I mean usually the, I, I would say you can paraphrase your lines anyway but there's sometimes I just say let's completely let go and, and see what happens uh, generally we, we hewed closer 
to uh, the scripts or the paraphrase of the scripts. But I find, especially for uh, you know less professional actors, that saying it in their own words makes it much more real. Right. Um, and then other scenes were extremely well, or not well written, but like detailed writing, and those tended to say the same. Right. Is there ever a moment when there's a full cast number? Does everybody sing at some point? There is one uh, in the final episode where all of my my people that I've met in the afterlife sing a song together. Uh, but we did have to record them all separately, all separately. which was challenging. For I was going to say, how do we even do that? Well, that's how... I don't even understand. <laughs> I mean, that's how most people make records. I guess that's true, right? You know, You're they're singing not just always, the one part. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, it's just Broadway show... <laughs> that gets them all in the same room. That they're yeah. all together because it's cheaper. <laughs> right, right, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the, it was... Uh, that was more challenging, but we, we figured it out. Right. And is this something... You will be involved as a producer going forward on Anthem? Is that right? Yeah, is that Howard Gertler, my, my, yep. uh, my uh, producer, Brian Weller, my composer, and I, and Topic Studios are kind of right. the... You know the the producers of Anthem, and right. we'll all you know make kind of major decisions together, and then facilitate whoever the next you know makers of the musical. Is there a timeline are. in terms of oh next year at this not time? Really there's be, a, yeah, yeah. There's not because we, we again we wanted it to come out so people knew what it was, which would make it easier to to get people. Sure, right, yeah. And what's next for you after this? Um, I go back to the second season of shooting uh, my series Shrill that yes. I'm in. Are you enjoying being on it? I love it. it your I part it. looks like a whole lot of fun to it's play. It's a lot of fun. At least it's from the not, outside. Yeah, it's not all the time either, so I can work right. on my own stuff. Yeah. Uh, and shoot in Portland, which is great. And uh, I love everybody on the show. Um, I'm continuing the Origin of Love tour. Great. Yeah. So we have a show in Mexico City next month, and Miami in June, and New York in June. Yeah, I was going to say, when's New York? June? June is uh, uh, the 27th, 28th, 29th. Okay, that's like World Pride-ish, right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and then more gigs over the next year. Right. And I am developing a TV show uh, which kind of... Well, I, I'm not going to get into what it is, but it's a very exciting... Jermaine today uh, satire, I guess. Um, that I'm, I'm very excited about. That I'm developing with a TV channel, um, musical or no? Uh, no, no. But there's another one that I, is looking good. Uh, that it would be uh, for television, right? Uh, based on a, a famous movie. Hmm. Um. That hasn't been treated too well after the movie, you know, hasn't been adapted too well elsewhere. And and that's plenty. You know, yeah, that's a lot that's of a things. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Is there a stage musical, another stage musical in your future, do you think? Well, I mean, it's hard to say whether Anthem Homunculus should be or we want it to be. You know, it's naturally could be. Sure. Um, you know it's long right now, so I'd have to kind of rethink it, or unless it was a 
along. To but but even do you anticipate having another idea like Hedvig that could start out uh, on stage? Yeah, but it's, I tend to do you know not too many things at once. So <laughs> I, I well, can't, that's already a lot, right? Yeah, there, it's hard just... to think be, uh, in t- terms of a next musical. I'm also, you know, talking about directing uh, a musical um, that would be kind of a stage musical or a, a, a stage musical. musical. It would be oh. a, a revival of, of a oh. existing one, but in a very different approach uh, yeah. that would be kind of more, probably more in the BAM yeah. oh. circuit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A more arty thing. That's that the I, Brooklyn Academy of Music for folks who yes. might not know. Yeah. That, they tend to do more experimental stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, so the, the future looks bright. Yeah. And with Shrill, which really pays my overhead, you know, my mom's health care and my rent, it's very freeing, uh, you know, to be able to do other stuff. It's, it's a miracle that they came along. Well, we can't wait to see what's next. Cool. Thanks, John. Thanks awesome. for doing this. Nice You're to talk welcome. to you. You're welcome. That was John Cameron Mitchell the writer, director, and star of Anthem, Homunculus, now streaming on the new digital audio platform, Luminary. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, it would really help us out if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe at your podcatcher of choice. Until next week, see you at the theater. Slithers of the moon Got under your skin And the walls are closing in Cause down in the city Only God knows you're alone When you feel there comes a time That you are not mine And I'm not yours And hope itself ignores you In this world, my child, you
It's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.